You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody, and welcome to. Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. This is the fourth podcast of the season, and we've got pretty much an open book to talk about some interesting stuff. I'm here tonight, as usual, with my regular co-host, Brian Manning. How you doing, Brian? I'm good, John. How about yourself? No, not too bad. A little disappointed that Jay couldn't make it with us tonight, but, you know, he's got obligations and has to work, so that's the kind of breaks that are going to come from that. Uh, all of us end up having to do that every once in a while, right? That's, that's the truth. Yeah, so i got to pay the bill somehow or another. So what we've got today is kind of a general overview of what's going on in Hokie sports. Because remember, we yeah, everybody wants football. Everybody wants the football season. But there's other sports, than, especially non-revenue sports, that are starting up and the the first people in the water are the women's soccer team. They've already played two exhibition games back almost two weeks ago. They won both of those. They played uh, Richmond and Loyola. They beat Richmond four nothing and Loyola one nothing. Loyola is pretty good. Then the regular season started, and right now that they opened in Williamsburg against William and Mary and beat William and Mary 4-3 and William William and Mary's women's soccer team is pretty is pretty good they're actually very highly rated and then the home opener Indiana unfortunately well okay this is soccer and everybody knows that a tie is not a horrible thing in soccer but it was a 0-0 tie which means that everybody fell asleep watching the game there were a lot of shots on goal from what i saw the stats but it just nobody seemed to be able to get the ball in the hole so i think they were a little frustrated with that but indiana is also a very good soccer team and to to come up with a draw get a non-conference draw as they say in the soccer world nil nil wasn't a horrible event so that will continue, like I was talking to Brian earlier, and the men's soccer starts the 25th, and the volleyball team starts the 26th. So we are churning up. Today was the second day of classes at Virginia Tech. Monday was the first day, and I was just writing something on the Virginia Tech board. They asked everybody to recount their first day at school and I still remember, well, I don't remember the specifics, but I do remember I had eight o'clock, five hour calculus. I was in the Corps of Cadets. So, hey, Brian, hey, you got any big news coming on? I mean, we've got uh, the school year starting. The Blacksburg kids are in school. Pulaski County, I think they're in school. We're going to start seeing high school football come up. And what's funny is, is that they had a big final announcement. Travis Wells finally left WDBJ and now is is permanently moved over to Jamerson Hall and the media. I don't know if they're in Jamerson right now again, 
after all the renovations or if they're still in the Coliseum and the offices in the Coliseum. But he's now official, so he's moved from being a Highlander to a Hokie. So have you heard anything interesting, different, or new out there? I mean, as we get into the, the end of things, the end of summer camp, the end of training, you know, the, the team is probably is now focusing on ODU. They have the pictures up on Hokie Sports for the team breaking camp and now starting into the regular season practice drills. So any observations from you? No, everything everything's actually all quiet outside of football because I think everything everybody's focused on football season and from everything we've seen and read, a lot of excitement around the team this year. Most of that's because of the coaching change. I think most people have realistic expectations of what this team's going to be this year. Of course, we say that now when when the season starts and they're we've lost a couple of games, then then you're going to have that small segment of the fan base who's ready to fire every coach. But for the most part, I think everyone's is excited about the prior era and has reasonable expectations for 2022. Yeah, I, I was just going to bring up my kind of alternate view article on what I thought the prospects of the season were going to be and how I grouped things out and how I changed it to a kind of a risk management chart. And what I ended up seeing out of all of that was something kind of interesting and kind of along the lines of what you were talking about. And the answer was, you know, because I did floor and ceiling, the answer most of the people in the poll responding, and there are a lot of people answering that particular poll. Most of the people thought that we were looking at a floor of about six and six and a ceiling of no more than eight and four. So I think that's, you know, that's that's a pretty good, pretty kind of sober analysis by the folks as far as the people that listen to us and kind of encouraging to hear that this feeling is okay. We're going to be fine but that nobody's expect anything like a runaway, you know, 10, 10 win season and everything is going to be hunky dunky and perfect. And maybe, maybe that's a good thing, but I do have in the last three minutes here before we break for commercial, I do have kind of a review of what I had as far as in order, the Wofford, Georgia tech, Duke, Liberty, Old Dominion games are true low risk to moderate low risk games, meaning we'll probably win those. There would have to be a serious breakdown. I put Virginia, although it's kind of in a toss up, it's a moderate. They're playing here. And we just don't know about Virginia any more than we know about Virginia Tech, do we? You know, other than the fact that they have a good quarterback, their entire everything has changed. Got a brand new coach there. We know Armstrong's good, but they were, they lost all their offensive line last year. Yeah, everybody. They're, I mean, I would assume they're going to run a similar offense to to what they ran last year, just because of that's what the quarterback's familiar with. But yeah. I would imagine they would transition over to what some of the things we saw Clemson run. Dabo, when he took over and he had Todd Boyd, he was more of a you know they ran the ball more. When he started getting guys who could throw the football into Sean Watson and then Trevor Lawrence, their offense kind of their offense went way up and then way way back down. 
the middle of the road was I, I've got the toss ups are North Carolina, Boston College, and West Virginia. I know our beloved Jay thinks that West Virginia is going to trounce us. I still see that as a 50 50 game, but it's really going to highly depend on how we do against and launch against Boston College. I think if we do a really good job of ODU and can beat Boston College fairly convincingly, I think we have a real good shot at a 50-50 match against West Virginia because West Virginia is normally West Virginia. No, if I'm looking, I, I disagree with Jay in the sense of I see Boston College as more likely to beat us than West Virginia. I actually see us beating West Virginia. Perhaps that's the, the homer in me, but I believe both are going to be close games. But I do believe that I think we're going to beat them. We they did everything they could to hand us that game last year, and we had inept everything. We we we're not going to go there. We had we were just inept, and we couldn't finish it. And they were trying to give us a game, and we were down like twenty one nothing at one time. But I know it's a different West Virginia team this year. They they should be better at quarterback, but I think we're going to be better at quarterback too. But no, I I think Boston College can be the much tougher game between the two. Yeah, and then and then our serious challenges, of course, are going to be Pitt, NC State, and Miami. But Boston College has a future NFL quarterback in Djokovic. Yeah. He's really good. But you've got to have people with you. Hopefully, that never hasn't gotten filled in. And although the fact that Boston College always seems to be able to knit together a decent offensive line, so we'll see how that works out. But the other serious challenges are Pitt, NC State, and Miami, and Every single thing I see is if we, let's say, get a 4-0 start or a 5-0 start, those very high-risk games go down to a lesser moderate-risk games, and we have a shot at winning those. But, man, Brent Pry's got to be the luckiest man on the planet, and everything has to fall into place. Just like we're going to have to fall into place and go to commercial break, sitting here yapping about the schedule and about alternate views of the schedule. So let's take a break here for some commercial messages, and we'll be right back. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is the special segment, and it's dedicated to Brian, who's our pro sports fan. He comments on pro sports in different places, and he is keeping track of quite a few of the Hokies out there that were drafted last year and also, or this year, actually, right, Brian? And also you know, some of the other pros and and what the status is. So I figured I'd just turn the segment over to Brian and maybe ask a couple of questions, but Brian, it's yours. I think the biggest news of the week NFL wise regarding the Hokies is the Washington commanders activated Logan Thomas from the physically unable to perform list. And he's healthy. And while he's not promising a week one return, it's looking pretty good for him. That's awesome news. I love watching Logan play. I just always imagine what he could have been had he been playing tight end since he was a freshman at Virginia Tech. He would have made so much money in the NFL, but good to see Logan back. Another former Hokie quarterback making waves is Tyrod Taylor. As you know, he's the backup with the Giants now, but their starter is Daniel Jones, who's not very good. Yeah, I didn't want to interrupt. I really didn't, but I got to. I know my beloved uncle is a big Giants fan and thinks Daniel Jones walks on water. Well, sorry, Uncle Frank. Daniel Jones is not very good. 
Tyrod will have the job probably by the second or third game. Sorry. Okay, go ahead, Brian. For once, he's going to a place where there's not a number one pick or a first-round pick in the same quarterback room, so he's got a chance to come in, and he's coming to a place where they've got a former first-round pick in Daniel Jones, who they also have a new coaching staff. Well, they seem to have a new coaching staff every other year, but they have a new coaching staff who is not married to Daniel Jones, so he's not going to have a long leash. So Tyrod's definitely going to start some games for the Giants this year, I believe. Another hokey making some noise is, is Raheem Blackshear. I think everyone saw our post on Sunday where Blackshear is having a fantastic preseason with the Buffalo Bills, who are, who are arguably the best team in the NFL, certainly the best team in the AFC, in my opinion. Yeah. But he's going to have some stiff competition to make that roster because they're, they're, they have several talented backs, including another rookie who they spent a third-round pick on. But as we both know, the preseason for a lot of players is not about trying to impress the team you're on, but it's trying to impress the other 31 teams to show them, hey, I wasn't drafted. That was your mistake. So Blackshear's definitely put himself on the radar because the one thing he can do really well is he can catch passes out of the backfield. We didn't get to see that a whole lot here, which was crazy because when he was at Rutgers, he was an all-Big Ten player at Rutgers because he was a good pass receiver. So exciting to see that. But other than that, it's kind of quiet with some of the Hokies in the NFL. Yeah, I was looking at some of the other roster hits. You know, Tenuta seems to still be on a roster. The linemen tend – it's hard to break in in the line. It really is. And not everybody is Christian Derrissaw who is the starting left tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. And and that's just, I, I think he's anchored there. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to be the next Dwayne Brown, who now has also moved and is on another team. But at 15 years, you got to wonder. We have Lasita Smith, who's still on the Cardinals. He's still doing his thing with the Cardinals just yet. But it's not final cutdown day. I think when is final cutdown day? Next Tuesday. Yeah. So when cut down day hits, I guess we'll have to kind of do a peruse and you'll have to jump on and do a quick article and say, okay, here's who's still left and maybe who made some practice squads. But, you know, the NFL is really important. I'm not an NFL guy necessarily. I mean, I've been a pro football fan since I was little, but I'm not an NFL guy as far as an analyst goes. But the NFL component of the recruiting angle, the recruiting equation that I laid out two years ago is a multiplicative factor in whether or not some of the better players, I'm talking three and a half star, four star and five star players are going to potentially want to come to your team because they're not going to come to your team to play college football. They're going to come to your team to audition for pro football, right? That's why it's important for for Coach Pride to sell his vision as far as, you know, he doesn't have a long history with Virginia Tech players, but you saw back in the winter when Micah Parsons shouted out Brent Pry on Twitter. Micah Parsons is one of the last year was one of the biggest names in the NFL, arguably the best defensive player in the NFL last year. Coach Pride recruited him. He played for Coach Pride, loves him. Those are things Coach Pride needs to be good at, and he already seems to be where is mentioning those guys on Twitter. Hey, I've coached this guy could because high school kids see, hey, Coach Pride coached Micah Parsons, and they're pretty cool. So I hope we get Micah Parsons down here for a game at some point. Now I'm I'm no Dallas Cowboys fan, but 
man, he's an amazing player. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you wish was on a team you could root for, right? There was a lot of guys like that in the NFL when I grew up. That There were just guys that you wish that they were playing for your team. Uh, and I don't know. It's really, really important for us to start making back impact. One of the disappointments was Dalton Keene being cut by the Patriots. He was a third-round pick. But last year, he was out the entire year, and he was out for half of his rookie season or with injuries. And it just... It seems to be a plague that Tech has with skilled players getting into the pros, especially offensive skilled players. I mean, everybody knows the sadness of David Wilson and also the kind of similar injury to Kendall Fuller, who now is back with the Hokies again. We just have really had a lot of problems keeping people healthy in the pros. I mean, who else has gone down? Everybody that I can think of. The only people that kind of the skill players, whether defensive or offense, that I've seen stay healthy over the last 10 years is Tyrod. And Tyrod, you know, Tyrod's tough. So I, I don't know. I've got my fingers crossed that maybe Dalton Kane can get picked up by another team somewhere and can see some hope, maybe get him some really good reps in the rehab room to get him up to speed and maybe strengthen up those legs. But, you know, it's it's just really not been fair, has it? Sometimes, you know, injuries that like knee ligaments happen and things like that. I know we talked about Logan. Logan was always durable and healthy. And if it wasn't for a dirty hit last December, low block, then Logan would have never been recovering from an ACL the whole, the entire past nine months. Yeah, that's one thing that we need to bring up before we go to the last segment and talk about the game. Actually, I'm going to lead this in because there are some rule changes that we need to talk about in the last segment. As we go through the first game and some of the prep work, we're not previewing the first game, but we're, we are going to start talking about the fact that the team's got to start prepping for it. And there are some rule changes that are going to make some difference in how things are run for football. So I tell you what, everybody, let's take this second commercial break, get the bills paid, and we'll be back after these messages. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Before the break, John mentioned our opening opponent, which is Old Dominion. John, a lot of crazy things have been going on with Old Dominion over the past month. Well, actually, the past two weeks in relation to their offense. An offensive coordinator who resigned his position on August 12th, just three weeks before the season kicks off. And you don't hear that every day. No, especially... Now, how do you pronounce the head coach's name? Rain? Yeah, Ricky Rain. Ricky Rain. Okay. Well, Ricky Rain, first of all, is a known quantity to one Brent Pry because Ricky Rain was part of the or an offensive coach for Penn State while Brent Pry was defensive coordinator. So they're well acquainted with each other. What happened, what transpired, absolutely nobody said two words other than the fact that their offensive coordinator was gone. Now, Rain is an offensive coordinator level person himself, although you really don't want your head coach doing that. So I don't know if that's going to create an issue. But I do know the fact that as of today, Ricky Rain named Hayden Wolf the Monarchs' new starting quarterback. Now, Wolf is six foot five and weighs 235 pounds, which means 
is an option read quarterback, right? Read option, option read, same. We're going to see more and more of these big 235, you know, 230 to 245 pound quarterbacks coming into the, the league. They'll never be pro quarterbacks probably, but they're perfect college quarterbacks for the read option and that kind of stuff. We're not going to see an air raid out of this offense, are we? No, I don't know much about Wolf. I'll dig into what he does best the week before the game. Haven't had time to really see him yet, study him yet. But I do know that he did start seven games last season. So we can kind of go back and, and look at that and see where what he did best, what we need to look out for. We know that running quarterbacks have been our Achilles heel for a long time now. Obviously, things have changed with the defensive staff, but we'll see if we still have that same issue with Pry. But, no, I'm interested in, in digging in and seeing what this guy's got, see what their offensive philosophy is. I would imagine if they have the players they want in the positions they want them in, as far as ODU, they have the quarterback they like, I would think that we would see a similar offensive mindset to what Tyler Bowen wants to run with the Hokies because these guys work together at, at Penn State. So I would imagine yeah. they're similar philosophy. The only thing that I can think of right now, though, is something that we're all considering if they've solved the pickle problem with our current starting quarterback. If he's thrown to the right hat, I think we're going to have a little bit more aerial offense than a lot of other teams will because the kid can sling the ball. Like you said, you just hope he doesn't sling it to the wrong people. I believe our wide receivers are going to be better than what people give us credit for right now. I think so too. I think when I did the receiver review, I saw what I saw was, like I said, you got a lot of ones out there that are really going to be good first level receivers, but you also have a lot of twos in the receiver core that are close to ones. You know, the depth chart has got like six guys in the receiver core that are really potentially ones, especially third, fourth, fifth game in the season. So I don't think that the receivers are going to be as problematic as people think. That's not the squad that's going to have to work really hard. I still think that's the defensive line. But I think we've got a good starting defensive line. I just think that the guys that are backing up are going to have to step up real hard. This is going to be a really tough season for them to learn. I mean, because a lot of them are really young and very inexperienced, and it's just going to be a learning thing. you know. And, and so the, the faster they learn, the better they are at it, the more complete the team's going to be. We had a few freshmen on that defensive line, and and typically along the offensive and defensive lines, you generally don't play true freshmen. And there's reasons why, you know, if you played high school at 250 pounds and you're not going to come right into college and play offensive tackle, you need a complete season in the conditioning program before you can actually make that jump. But a couple of these kids, the Hokies have Malachi Madison and Lamar Law. They're over 300 pounds already. And, and looking at them, it looks like a good a good weight for them. I think Lamar Law is like 6'4". So as, as freshmen and provide depth, it's going to be important. And I, I believe we're going to learn a lot about J.C. Price. Yeah. The thing about J.C., and I love J.C., he's, he's a Hokie. He's always around. He's a, a local. But what's going to happen is, is that the one thing that Pry is, is Pry's a business manager, and he's going to want performance out of this defensive line. He's handed the entire defensive line to J.C., 
JC's got everybody. I know I can appreciate that aspect of pride because I'm a loyal guy myself. I know you are, John, and loyalty is a wonderful trait, but sometimes loyalty will get you fired. And we saw that with the previous staff. Loyalty yep. went too far, and we need a coach in Brent Pry who, to you, and I'm not saying this about JC, I love JC, but it's a performance based business. If, if a coach is not getting it done, so I, I like the business like approach that, that Pry seems to employ. Yeah, it is at some well, John, point. before, I don't mean to interrupt you, John. I wanted to remind you, you told us about some rule changes you want to touch on. Yeah, we got, we've got we got a couple of things happening here, and I'm just going directly to Yahoo Sports to go over it because there are some, some rule changes. Number one, they are going to have an off-field review of targeting calls. They're not changing the rules of the targeting calls, but what they're going to do is they're going to have an off-field review of targeting so that these suspensions, you know, like if you if you get called for targeting and it's the next game issue. If you get called for targeting and they go back and they see the fact that maybe in review that it was not really targeting when they really, really dug into it, that it was completely accidental. Well, what was happening is you were still forced to sit out the first half because that was the call, right? Well, now after the game, right. if they go back into the film and see the fact that maybe, no, that really wasn't targeting, that wasn't a dirty hit or anything, or then that first half suspension would be lifted and it wouldn't be imposed. You know, this is for second half hits. Now, I don't know how fair that is for first half hits, but the second major rule change that is going to play a major part in blocking schemes on both sides of the ball, there is going to be no blocking below the waist for outside players outside or players outside of the tackle box. You may not, under any circumstances, block below the waist outside of the tackle box. It's going to be a penalty. And it's going to be, I guess it's going to be a 10-yard penalty. Oh, also defensive holding instead of being a five-yard penalty, you know, defensive holding like downfield and an automatic first down is now going to be evened up with offensive holding. And it's going to be a 10-yard penalty and an automatic first down. So those are the rule changes that are going into effect. And guys, you don't think that this is going to be critical and I don't think it's going to be really bad as far as the targeting thing. I think at some point they need to review the whole targeting rule itself because I think it's unfairly applied when it is applied. And it has a tendency also to be applied under emotional duress to the referees. You often see that where you can see that the, that the refs don't like one team or another team for a lot of different reasons. Because we, remember, we don't we don't all know what's being said down on the field, who's being cooperative, who's being a jerk. We don't have a clue. So, you know, referees are human beings and they're going to, and they're also being told we need to reduce the number of head injuries. And so those dual pushes can make some, for some pretty dicey calls. Sometimes those targeting penalties are hard to call when you're on the field watching live because action happens so fast. You can see a guy come straight we can be watching from our TV and you see a guy come in with his shoulder, beautiful textbook hit. 
he's called for targeting because they're not purposely calling him for targeting because I say an example, he he's mad at the coach for whatever team. To him, in the speed of the play, it looks like it was targeting. So I think there needs to be some kind of balance to, to, to be figured out on those targeting penalties, like maybe have another eye. Yeah, they do do the review. Which takes up so much time. Which, uh, but, well, yeah, know. and it takes forever, and it's like, okay, you don't need to suspend the player for you know a hit that was just out of control. If it's a vicious hit that was on purpose to a defenseless player, yeah, you eject him. But other than and that, you can, maybe you put them out for a quarter, you know. Okay, you're on the sideline for a quarter. When it's a purposeful hit, like it's obvious, you can pretty much go back and look at the review one time and decipher this guy meant to do some serious damage here. You you can yeah. you can figure that out by by watching the play. Sometimes the offensive player leans in and it looks a lot worse than it actually was, too. Yeah. So those rule changes are gonna make make a difference, especially the low blocks outside the box. That means there's not going to be a whole lot of blocking downfield, by the way, because face it, there's a lot of fall down blocking down the field, isn't there? The big problem that you always run into is when you're downfield is balance, right? Especially if you're a big guy and you're trying to throw a block, you're off your feet, suddenly you're on the ground and you haven't even made contact with the guy. And now how are they going to call some of these? I'm just trying to think of the it's going to be an interesting thing. It really is. They're they're trying to reduce the number of targeting calls. They're trying to be a little bit more judicious about the punishment for targeting, but they're also trying to make up for the fact that in case anybody hadn't noticed, there's a lot of leg injuries going on and the low blocks have been key. I think the teams that are going to suffer the most for this are going to be the option teams like Navy and Army, which are probably two or three of the only you know, pure triple option teams left out there. I think they're they're the ones that are going to pay for this because they're the ones that end up with guys that are blocking low outside the tackle box. So I don't know. It all remains to be seen, doesn't it? I mean, it's going to unfold in front of us. Those are the major issues. If everybody, you know, will hang in there. Next week, I'm going to go over the new schedule. Next week, we're going to put the podcast out. Thursday night, we'll be recording Sunday. For Thursday night, because Thursday night is the preview, it's going to be our preview podcast for the ODU game. And then we're going to do a quick recording after the game to talk about it on the Sunday after the game. And then Monday will be a podcast post out. It'll probably be Monday or Tuesday. It depends on when Catherine gets them done. It's only going to be a 20-minute segment. Instead of a half an hour, it's going to be a single segment to talk about the game on the pod. So it'll be out either Monday or Tuesday. And well, like I said, we'll have to adjust a little bit depending on when the games are played. We got a couple of Thursday night games this year. We open on Friday night. So, you know, we've got to adjust the schedule a little bit. But that's what we've got ahead of us. And Brian, it's starting to get exciting, isn't it? It is. It is. We got real football coming our way. Yep. Yeah, I'm hoping that somebody gets back to you about tickets in the box. At some point we should hear. And it'll always be us. The away game, we'll have a game thread. I'll have a game thread up so everybody can jump on and talk if you want and be prepared for all the reviews. Brian, you still got defensive backs due, and that'll be the closeout for all of the roster reviews. And that's kind of what we've got ahead of us. So if everybody will stay tuned next week, we'll leave you with what we always leave you with. Brian? Go Hokies. Go Hokies. Go Hokies.